I'm not a queer podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Todd. And I'm Jeremy Williams, and you're listening to Wine. Why not? A queer podcast. Episode 56. Remember I used to do that? (laughs) (laughs) so stupid. Uh, Remember how dumb we were (laughs) in the early episodes? Um, Yeah, I don't have anything special about 56. I think we've just reached that point where nothing's special anymore. I don't don't know, but I'm going to make something up. That's how old Betty White was when they started Golden Girls. Oh, that is how old. I completely made that up. I have no idea. That is how old J.K. Rowling was when she first wrote Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) So we don't have Caitlin with us today. No. Um, She's busy. She's too busy for us. She has other things to do. Um, But we do have Bubba. Hello, Who is helping us out. Bubba, will you look up how old Betty White was when when she started in Golden Girls? Because I just want to know. She was younger than 56. She had to be. Well, her character, I know at one point, was 55. Because she was trying to find work, and she yeah. couldn't find it. And then she's like, I'm 55. And I was like, you're 55? Well, they started in the mid-80s. She looked 80. <laughs> and that's like 80, 90, you know, That's like almost 40 years ago. And she just died like a couple of years ago. And she was almost 100. Turning them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So probably around 56. Right? Yeah, yeah, you might be right. Yeah. Um, I've heard, and I don't know if this is true. Did you, did you land on a site with a virus? His computer just started oh making all kinds of noise. What was I watching? Oh, <laughs> I was watching oh, Ted 2 this I was like, weekend. are you sure you want to tell people? I was oh, watching I... Ted 2 this weekend. And every time they went to look something up on the computer, um, an inappropriate term came up. <laughs> and it was like, why does that keep coming up? Um, it was like, do you mean, like they would type in, um, we were looking for um, lawsuits from 1985. And it would come up. Sorry, Ma. And it would say, do you mean black cocks? <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> Good you, movie, though. Did you apologize to your mom for, for what you said or the word? For the word I said. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't. she probably doesn't want to hear her son saying that to the thousands of listeners <laughs> we have. <laughs> um, she was 63. Wow. Good for her. I mean, that's what happens when you live to be 100, is you did things centuries ago, and you're like, wow, you were old back then. <laughs> that's why she never aged. Mm. She was always aged. Yeah. Um, she suffers from um, what uh, Steve Martin. Steve Martin has never been under the age of 50. <laughs> as far back as you go, you watch all of his <laughs> things, he has always been a 50-year-old man. I, you know, every time that we, every time you bring up Steve Martin or Martin Short, I'm just going to say every time that how um, under awarded mm. mur- Only Murders in the Building is. I don't know why. Mm. I don't know why. <laughs> that, my, that was my response. But you're, you're right. I was with Ryan somewhere recently, and there was a guy sitting next to him that every time somebody said something, he went, mm. I was like, what is happening? I like it when two people are talking and one person, you know, their mouth is moving, they're doing the words. The other person is just silent and listens. And because it reminds me of, I listen to um, 107.7 in the morning, uh, Magic 107.7, because I've reached that age where I listen to easy listening radio. 
And they have a commercial on it for their iHeartRadio podcasts. And one of them is, and I don't know what her name is, but she has a podcast where it's her sitting and having lunch or something with celebrities. And so, like, they're like, she talked to Will Ferrell. And he's, like, telling a story. And then uh, she also talked to to Martha Stewart. But they're going through, and you can hear as they're talking in the clips on the commercial, you can hear her going, mm, yeah, mm, yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And I was like, turn your mic off when they're answering. I don't want to listen to your podcast now. Are you sure it wasn't Ted too? Mm, yeah, it was. <laughs> mm, yeah. Mm. Um, I have a friend who I will not say their name, but at the end of at the end of every one of their sentences, they say, "I can't do it." Wait. Mm. Wait. It would, it would be like, I went to the store yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't believe you're bringing this up. <laughs> they have no idea that they do it, and uh, they'll never know that I'm talking about them. But but a few people listening will know who I'm talking yes. about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. Anyway, so speaking of good times, did you watch the Did you watch the game? I did. I did. I was. Um, Are we allowed? To, we can't say what game it was, can we? Or can we? I don't know. In editorial, we can. We have this issue with some organizations we deal with uh, every year of things that you can and can't say. Um, the NFL's Super Bowl mm. is <laughs> alleged. Alleged. <laughs> the alleged bowl um, is one of those things where they're very strict over the name, what you can yeah. and can use it. But in editorial, um, you're free reign to say it and use it. Um, we just call it the big game. Images are different. Don't use images. <laughs> don't oh, don't yeah. pull any images, Bubba. Oh, um, and don't 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 post on our Facebook page yeah. like, hey, we we talked about. But we can say we watched the Super Bowl. <laughs> yes. Did you enjoy it? I did. I um I used to watch football when I was younger. Uh, my dad was huge into football. He was a big Denver Broncos fan. So everybody in the family, um, in the eighties and nineties, we all kind of. Um, for that uh, that kind of uh, fun uh, banter that families have where you're in competition for things that absolutely don't matter in your day-to-day life. <laughs> um, us, it was NFL football. So we all had our teams. So my dad was the Broncos. Um, I was the Miami Dolphins. Uh, my bro- younger brother, Joey, was San Francisco 49ers. Um, as I got older and learned what San Francisco is and what it represents, we probably should have swapped teams, but that's okay. <laughs> um, he likes theater, so, you know, it's right up his alley. Um, my uh, older brother, I love him to death, but he was a bandwagon jumper. So he was Washington Redskins, but that's not what they're called now because you can't no. say that anymore. But he was a Washington Commanders, fan. I think they are now. Is that what they are? Um, but he was a fan of theirs because it was the early 90s and they had just won a Super Bowl. And then for a while, he was a Dallas Cowboys fan, and now he is a Denver Bronco fan uh, in honor of my father's memory. So he must have enjoyed that uh, John Elway carried the Vince oh, Lombardi yeah. trophy. Uh, two, two things. I saw John Elway, and I was like, hey, Dad. And then the other one was Dan Marino was in a – he was the quarterback when I watched football. Um, and he was in a commercial, and I was like, "Hey, it's Dan hey, Marino." Me. Hey, <laughs> um, so uh, so yeah, I I enjoyed it for the fact that I have a a very limited background of football knowledge, um, but I also enjoyed it for um, I always enjoy the commercials, and I always enjoy uh, the halftime show, um, at least the premise of it. I don't always enjoy do every say, halftime I was like, show. I say, do you? Do you really enjoy every one of them? No, but I do enjoy the premise of a nice little concert now because I. 
I don't know if you're familiar with this, but they didn't always do these big concerts. It used to be really cheesy, bad, like Disney-style parade-type stuff. Right. It was god-awful. You can watch some of them uh, if you go to YouTube. Yeah, and Michael I... Jackson was the first. They were like, hey, we can do a concert. And he killed it. Yeah. Well, you know what, what, what happened was my brother was telling me about this last night while we were watching it. And because they didn't do anything spectacular at halftime, one year, um, Mad TV. No, it was In Living Color. Oh, In Living Color, right. Yeah. In Living Color did a, uh, did a live show during the what I somebody called it intermission last night and it made me laugh no somebody on like a, a yeah. sportscaster called yeah. it intermission and I was like I appreciate that they gotta go refresh their <laughs> costumes for act two and um so so um because like they lost all these ratings all these people went and watched the live version of In Living yeah. Color and then flipped back but they were like we got to keep these people. We got to keep our numbers. And so that's when they brought Michael Jackson in, who did this amazing show, and they kept it. So they, yeah, ran yeah. With and it. for the '90s, it was kind of this back and forth thing. So like they did Michael Jackson huge numbers, and then they had you know like this Welcome to Yeehaw Country Roundup, and it was like four or five country performers, and it was kind of like, nah, we're, we're gonna see what else is on. And like in the '90s, they would go sway back and forth, and then like in the 2000s, MTV, like I think 2000, 2001 did the the halftime show and they were like yeah we're gonna stick with these concerts and it's just become like this big spectacle that draws in um the the girls the gays and the theys who don't typically watch the football um so i enjoy it for the little mini concert um whether i like it or not you know i like to hate watch stuff too so you know i won't name anybody but justin timberlake's comes to mind of one that i did not enjoy um that he was on a few years ago but it was nice to hate watch that and read the tweets about it something happened uh well no that (laughs) one oh oh the history of that man anyway um but yeah i uh i enjoyed it you know i i'm i don't get football yeah it's not something i understand especially watching that game last night like the the ferocity at which people are hit and injured is insane to me that like so i don't get it i certainly don't get college football but that's okay if you like it that's your thing you do your thing i'll sit at home and listen to air supply it's all good by me we all like different things so is that why you're angry because i've never been asked to do a (laughs) halftime show you watch this next year i'm gonna make it happen (laughs) i'm gonna use the power of our 2000 listeners i don't know how they're doing health wise but i think you probably only have a few years left (laughs) i don't know i don't know they still hop around that stage ish so so i don't really get it yeah but i am a junkie for the end of any sports season so Mm -hmm. i don't watch uh football at all until the super bowl Right. But I'm very interested in that. I don't watch basketball until the playoffs. And yeah. I don't watch baseball really until the World Series. So I'm always interested in, in that. You know, when you get the two best teams playing against each other, then it should be a good game. So I, I, I like that stuff. And I thought that the game part of it was super intense. And I was somehow invested into something that I really don't pay attention to because somebody made it political. And so yeah. then I had to jump on the side of the political side that I agree with, and I was very happy. I find with it the hilarious. I like seeing these kind of because I mean everything's so polarized now. I like to see the hills that the conservatives and the liberals are willing to die on. And this one, I thought it was crazy leading up to the game, watching all of these conservatives 
root for the city of San Francisco. And all these liberals <laughs> be like, go Kansas City. It just it baffles me right. um, that uh, that we will pick and we will die on these hills. I'll be honest. I was rooting for K. Okay, I almost said KFC. You know how many times last night watching, KFC. I was like, "Let's go KFC," and my roommate would look over at me and he goes, "Hungry." <laughs> well, <laughs> he used other words, but he was like, "Calm down, fatty." No, um, but all, the, all night I kept calling him KFC. But um, have you seen that meme that that that's come on? Jen just sent it to me recently, and it's like, it's like a, my my doctor told me to to not eat. Um, what to not eat fatty something and then it's like oh should i stick away stay away from this and this is like no i'm saying don't eat fatty <laughs> i have seen that laugh. i have seen it that um, cuz i feel like that's something my doctor could tell me but yes i um i am not a swifty as they call them but i do appreciate taylor swift and what uh, this this brand and business that she's built and some of her songs are actually pretty good um, I don't know why we have to be all or none. I feel like it's it's people online were like, you either are a Swifty and you will kill in her name, or you hate her, you hate everything around her, and Beyonce is queen. And I was like, can't both be true? Can't Taylor Swift be a good performer and Beyonce be queen? Can they? Because Beyonce has never won album. <laughs> Ooh, that is an opinion expressed by Rick and Rick alone. Uh, no, I'm I just, and the whole staff am, of Wine Why Not love Beyonce, appreciate Beyonce, and can point at least three instances when she should have won album of the year. I was just <laughs> quoting Jay-Z. I was not giving an opinion whatsoever. You're just trying to whittle down the few viewers we <laughs> listeners we do have. No, I mean, here's the thing. Like, she's very talented. I'm just I'm just joking with you. She's I'm just joking with you. She's really talented. I'm just kidding. <laughs> kidding. Uh, no, but um, obviously she's a powerhouse. Beyonce yeah. is a powerhouse. Sure. Obviously. Incredibly talented. Knows exactly what she's doing. Um, Taylor Swift. Yes. Same deal. Yeah. Right? And I, as I am not inclined to be the person. I'm not their target audience. I'm not like their... I don't, I don't see, I don't hear them sing a song and say, "Oh my God, I need to listen to that all the time." Except maybe like there was a song about a white horse that Taylor Swift sang when she was oh, fourteen yeah. or yeah. something. I really like that song. Um, I mean, who didn't um, swoon over Tim McGraw when she sang her country hit, Tim McGraw? <laughs> so the, um, but but outside of like like the musical taste isn't there for me. So I've never really followed uh, too much about her, but oh. because. Of all this ridiculousness that's, mm. that's come up, I've been bombarded with information of all the good that she does mm. and the video clips of her when she decided to get political and why she decided to do it. And I just have so much respect for her. And so when it came time to root for people, I mean, aside from the fact that Patrick Mahomes is kind of cute, yeah, um, I was like, let's do this for Taylor. Yeah, I don't know his name. Um, I was torn at the game because because he oh, was Purdy. Yeah, the San Francisco um, quarterback. He was hot too. Do it was pointed out to me last night just because his name is Purdy. He's got a Purdy mouth. <laughs> oh my! Um, you can't really say that without sounding skeevy. Yeah. Uh, but no, I thought, uh, I, I I love what Taylor does. I love what Beyonce does. Beyonce announced. Um, it, crazy the Verizon commercial she did and she's like you know um, it's all about her trying to break the internet 
and she's like, uh, Tony hails and he's like, no, you didn't break the internet. Nope, you said four, 5G is too powerful. You can't break the internet. So at the end, she's like, release the new music. And she broke the damn internet because everybody online was like, is that real? Is she really releasing music? They didn't know if it was just the commercial or not. And then she announced she's making a country album. Good for her. She released two singles on it. I listened to them uh, multiple times last night. They're quite good. They're quite good. Well, maybe show wins. The CMA happen. Oh, my God. Everybody on Twitter was like, Beyonce coming for the CMAs this year. Right. Um, but because yeah. Taylor Swift started off in country. And yeah. Then and you've got to put pit the two women together so they're right. like, she's going into Taylor's turf. It's, it's all like, turf. You know what? Dolly Parton did it first. She was all over the place. She yeah. came out with the rock album. Beyonce can do a uh, country. It's all good. Why don't, you just let, why don't we just let people do what they want to do and be who they are? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And give me some of that money. <laughs> I just, I'll say $100,000 will do me good. Mm-hmm. But good for them. Uh, good game. Uh, Nailbiter at the end. Loved it. Yeah, I actually jumped off my couch and yelled something, and then I, was, then I laughed. Because, you know, whenever you go to a restaurant on a Sunday during football season – and you're not football inclined, then you just hear people screaming the whole time, and it's annoying, right? Mm -hmm. So I always threaten to like go to like you know a, a sports bar during um, like a, um, during the Oscars and mm -hmm. ask them to put the Oscars on, and when somebody wins, like stand up, yes, like screaming for them, um, or like somebody wins that you don't want to, you scream and yell at the TV. Um, but it never happened. But I, I see why it happens now. Like I yeah. see how how you can get caught up in the moment. I can see really why people get excited with the games. I still can't get behind these people who um, rip their TVs off the wall or throw things at their screen. I just I don't understand getting that into it. Or cry. Or I mean, sometimes emotions are big and we don't know I how can, to handle them. I can understand. <laughs> I I can understand why the football players are crying. You know, especially like you're in overtime, like somebody that I was hanging out with was kind of making fun of the 49ers at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you just played this whole season. You had like this stellar season. You were favored to win. You you you're exhausted because they came out strong. They were brutal in the first quarter. Yeah. And then, you know, then you get an overtime and you're tired and you're exhausted and you've busted your ass for this thing. And then it's like in a second, like that fast, it was all gone. And, you know, I can see how you would become overcome with emotion. Or the one guy who got injured and <laughs> poor guy. I don't know if you saw this. Why they got to do him like this? They showed the injury. It was during a non-play. It was a. Yeah. He was mm -hmm. he was on the sidelines and it was time to go in to play. And he went to run and he stepped weird and it ended his season and he wouldn't get to play in the thing. And and I guess I mean, yeah, there was 30 minutes left in the season. No, no, no. This was in the this was. In the first quarter, wasn't it? Oh, what? it was in the I first half. Well, maybe in third. So he, um, but he was just crying. I can get that too. There was one guy who got injured. I don't know if you saw him. They they put him in a cart and they, yeah, they was driving. They were fast trying to get him somewhere. We're like, yeah, they're gonna shoot something in his arm and send him back out. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Um. So did you watch the game on CBS or did you watch it on Nickelodeon? <laughs> I watched it on CBS. People were going crazy because they aired it on Nickelodeon this year, and they had uh, SpongeBob and Patrick joined uh, the news the the sportscasters in the booth, and they were calling some plays. Um, Dora the Explorer was uh, on the sidelines, and she would explain things to the kids. So, like when a, an offsides got called, she'd come up and she'd like, "Hola," 
and offsides means this. And she'd explain offsides. And then when they were cutting to things, like they were like, let's take a look at the celebrities in the stands. And it was all fish puns. Um, so like um, Billy Eilish, and she was an eel. Um, but there was a bunch of fish puns. And then they cut to uh, Travis Kelsey, who was sitting on the bench. And it said, uh, Taylor Swift's boyfriend, he plays football good. <laughs> so, what, what did the SpongeBob say about him when he bumped his coach and screamed at him? Oh, I don't mm. I don't know, but that was, I mean, that just kind of feeds into that, the emotional part yeah. and how angry you are when you're down, but how much happier and kissy you are once you've won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned the commercials. Was there, were there any commercials that stuck out to you? Um, yes. Uh, a, we talked about this earlier. Most of the commercials that stick out to me are movie trailers. Um, so there were some really good movie trailers, Deadpool 3, um, premiered a trailer they had twisters which is the sequel to twister so i guess there's more than one do you know how many nerds there were (laughs) that that after the deadpool trailer came on were like oh the deadpool trailer already i guess there's no reason for me to continue watching the super bowl yeah yeah i i saw a couple of posts one specific post on facebook um brian yeah excuse me um but the trailers were the big one for me um I, they did this thing. I don't know if they've done this in years past because I have no memory of anything outside of three days ago. But they like show just like a 30 second clip and it's like you can watch the full trailer online. And it's like back in the day, they, they take Give us the, the whole time. thing. Yeah. You're, Come on. You're Disney. You can't splurge for, for 30 or for 90 seconds. You can only do 30 seconds. Well, you know how much a 30 second commercial spot was? $7 million. Yeah. That means 90 seconds is 21 million. 20, yeah. 21 million. <laughs> I was getting there. Um, hey, they Disney got, can splurge. They got to pay for their lawyers. They're too busy fighting DeSantis. Mm. Anyway, I just I did not like the fact that I had to keep pulling up my phone to watch the full trailer online. Um, yeah. But there are some good movies coming out. Wicked um, looked good. Huh? Wicked? Wicked looks really good. Um, but you got Wicked. You've got Twisters. You've got uh, Deadpool 3, Despicable Me 4, if that's your thing. Uh, A Quiet Place Day 1 looks really good. Um but commercial-wise, um, the commercials didn't – they like, you watched them, they're like, oh, that's funny. And then it f- just fell out of my head. So the two that I do remember is the Duncan one, uh, when Matt Damon says, how do you like them donuts? Cracked me up. Uh, and then the Christopher Walken one, with everyone doing Christopher Walken impersonations that was at a, him. That was hilarious. That was hilarious. Yeah. I forgot all about that until earlier today on the news they were cycling through them. That one was funny, but then what- – there were two that I loved that had celebrities in them, and one was was it was it T-Mobile that Arnold Schwarzenegger was in? Oh, what? Yeah, he was in some phone commercial. Yeah, I think it and was it was T-Mobile. something, yeah. and like his line was um, something about your neighbor. It was the thing, and yeah. he kept saying neighbor. Oh, State Farm. Oh, no, um, yeah, with um, yeah, State Farm is the one with the red shirt. Oh, right, yeah. right, because Jake from State Farm was yeah. like, neighbor. And neighbor, he's like, and he's like, neighbor. neighbor. That's what I'm saying, neighbor. Oh, that was cracking me up. And they brought up. Danny DeVito the in. And at the very end, he's like, he's in the bushes, he's like, neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dumb, I loved it. And then the other one, I don't even know, I think this was actually, I think that this was a brilliant commercial, because I feel like it was poking fun at commercials that put people in them whose names sound like the product. So like how bubbly did that Michael Buble thing. Oh yeah. And he's like, I'm, bu- I'm bubbly or no, he kept calling the drink Buble. 
So the one with Michael Sarah. Oh, um, yeah. For Sarah V. And he, <laughs> it was hilarious to me. I like Michael Sarah, so I thought it was fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, you like that kind of dad joke word pun stuff. So I'm not, it, I'm not surprised you enjoyed that joke or that commercial. Yeah. And somebody who is a diehard Beyonce fan somewhere was going like, oh, of course he would say oh, something about, listen to his stupid humor. Oh, he doesn't going, know anything. I'm going through the list. The Uber Eats one was kind of funny where Jennifer Aniston, she's like, you have to, oh, to yeah. remember something. <laughs> and she doesn't know David Schwimmer. That kind of was funny. He goes, I hate this town. And I felt like he really meant that. Do you know what? Is, you know what um, um, something about Friends that I learned today. I was watching a video where somebody asked Alec Baldwin what it was like working on the Friends set with Matthew Perry and how he had passed away. And he was saying that the time that he spent uh, at Friends, like he went to work on Friends the Tuesday after they announced on Monday that the Friends cast was going to make a million dollars per episode for season nine. Oh, wow. And so he's like, everyone was in this really weird, like processing how rich they were and in this real glorious happy thing. And so he's like, I didn't see them very much. I just yeah. went in and did my thing and went off. But then he said that Warner Brothers Studios, I believe it's Warner Brothers Studios, makes, like they have all these projects that they that they try and fail and all this kind of stuff and they pay all their bills and are able to do this because of the licensing fees for friends and yeah. seinfeld and that those two like pay for everything and then they can do whatever they want yeah i mean friends is still 20 years off this is the 20th year that it went off the air so it started 30 years ago it is still money wise one of the number one if not the number one tv show uh that brings money in for for studios it's crazy Crazy. It's crazy. Doing my, doing my Christopher Walken. It's crazy. So, so what? Who cares? That's um, my Joy Behar that I'm stealing from. Um, <laughs> what's his name? Fred Armiston? Oh. Or Fred Armiston. You ever see that? <laughs> so what? Who cares? Um, yeah. Do you know the Alec Baldwin and Friends? Um, I read, so I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I read that, that him, uh, his stint, his quick stint on Friends is what led Tina Fey to want to put him in 30 Rock. Oh, really? And also, who's the Blue Lagoon lady? Brooke um, Shields. Brooke Shields. Her stint on, uh, she did a two-episode arc on uh, Friends of the Super Bowl episode. Funny enough, we're talking about the Super Bowl. Uh, in the 90s, and her doing that, because I guess she had not done a whole lot of comedy before then. Uh, the producers of, um, what was that show? Suddenly Susan? Yeah. That was, yeah. They saw that, and they were like, ooh, we got to build a sitcom around her. And that's how she got Suddenly Susan. Huh. Yeah. So fascinating. Fr friends out there building com comedians um, out of uh, pre-existing actors. Good on them. So I wanted to talk about something because I mentioned it in the last podcast, mm. and I wanted. I love our to... segues. Speaking of Tina Fey, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't even make that connection. <laughs> I should have just pretended like I did. Yeah. I'll learn. One day I'll learn how to do this. So I, I mentioned that when Io, I'm, I can't pronounce her last name. Io. I think it's Ao. Ao, but I might be. Wrong. Um, she was hosting Saturday Night Live, and in one of their skits, she said something about being a twenty-four-year-old podcaster and think acting like you knew everything and saying things that you shouldn't say and that kind of stuff. And I thought that she was complaining about a podcaster who was complaining about her winning Best Actress for a comedy. Sure, but that's not what it was about. Yeah, it was about um, when she was twenty-four and had a podcast. She said something about Jennifer Lopez's career or success being fake. 
And so it was basically like an apology calling herself out for for saying that. And it all kind of is this came to light because I read an article where Tina Fey was advising Bo and Yang to, you know, tamp down what he was saying on his podcast about movies and TV shows or his opinions on things in entertainment. Um, because as she says it, he's too famous to tell the truth. That because it could cost him money in the long run, criticizing what people are doing, and then they're not going to want to hire him, yeah. kind of a thing. It, she, her quote, I love her quote. She says, "Authenticity is dangerous and expensive," <laughs> and it's true. Um, yeah, I saw that clip. It was making its rounds around TikTok and uh, YouTube and all that. And um, I won't read it in my Tina Fey voice, but I have the quote here. She says, "I don't." Can you do me a favor yeah. though? Can you read it as Capote? <laughs> 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 I don't think so, honey. Um, Bo and Yang giving his real opinions about movies on the, his, this podcast. I regret to inform you that you're too famous now, sir, is what she said. Um, and that's when she hit him with the authenticity line. Uh, authenticity is dangerous and expensive. And then she went into um, kind of a little rant about Saltburn. And uh, she says, you have a problem with Saltburn? Shh quiet luxury keep it to yourself because what you are going to do because what are you going to do when emerald fennel who directed saltburn calls you about her next project where you play carrie mulligan's co-worker in the bridal section of harrods and then act three takes a sexually violent turn and you have to pretend to be surprised by that turn you hang out with ariana and spongebob now that is your life <laughs> um so a subtle uh poking and prodding at uh saltburn director Emerald Fennel, um, which Is Twitter it? was not. F Twitter was not a fan of what she. I guess she thought she was criticizing her, but Twitter then attacked Tina Fey and said, "I don't know why you all are surprised. Tina Fey has always been a woman who doesn't support other women." I well, will like, say, like as, Amy Poehler, as a white man, I did not notice this, but she seems to be supportive of women. I mean, her and Amy Poehler seem to be friends, right. and. I, mean, I watched 30 Rock and there's women on there and not, Mean Girls. The show's not women. called Mean Boys. <laughs> um, so I don't know what they were referencing. I only half-ass read tweets these days. I try not twi <laughs> I try not to tweet them all. <laughs> um, That's, you know, the reason I wanted to bring it up is because I think it's funny in a way that, so apparently Boeing Yang has mm -hmm. a, a segment of his podcast called I Don't Think So, Honey. And so that's oh, is where, that why she said, then, I don't think, I don't so, think honey. so, honey. And then I don't think so. Boeing in giving his real opinions about movies on this podcast, which I thought was funny because she said it on his podcast yeah. to him, um, which is interesting. And I, what I really wanted to bring it up for is because that's all we do is give our opinions. Um, I know I get it. We're not Boeing Yang famous. But if we ever were mm. to be one day. Anyone listening to these early episodes, just know we were not famous when we were saying all of this. Yeah. I will also say if I ever reach Tina Fey famous, that I support all women in everything they want to do in their lives, except for Saltburn director Emerald Fennel. <laughs> right. I, well, I do want to say. I, I actually say, really like Saltburn. I want to say that we are opinionated, and we just give our opinions on things. That's what we're here to do. We're um, gay. That if we had no opinions, we'd have nothing to say. <laughs> but we also understand fully that we cannot write, direct, or star in anything mm. because we are not talented. I don't think so, honey. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs>
I could actually think of some shows I could produce that you would be in. That would be funny. <laughs> I I feel like Capote does a podcast would be like <laughs> number one on my list right now. Uh, there are far better actors who have done Capote far better every, than I ever could. Every time I I uh, watch Capote, I I picture you like mm, you mm. know. I have seen several movies. I don't like Truman Capote. However, I have seen so much content about this man. And he does this. All the actors do this. And I've gone and looked at videos. And I've seen some videos where he does this. But he does the thing where he puts his hand on his head and he rubs his temple. He's like, I don't know how much I can hang from this. (laughs) (laughs) And it reminds me of Marlon Brando when he was in... um, uh, Apocalypse Now, and he's just like crazy, and his head shaved, and everything's in shadow because he was getting fat, and he's just like rubbing his head, and he's like, I can't take it in Vietnam no more. <laughs> That's what it reminds me of. That this move right here, it reminds <laughs> me of the when I when I first started going to drag shows, um, somebody would say at, at a moment like like a drag queen would like grab her head like tilt it to the side, and and the guy next to me goes, ice cream headache. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? It's like, yeah, that's what that's called. Every once in a while, you just got an ice cream headache. And... Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll get to we'll get to Capote in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't want to. It's it's a busy time. Like you know, we went a couple of months where there wasn't that much going on, and now it's just a busy time. So I wanted to give you a chance to talk about your week if anything uh, exciting happened. No. All right, moving right along. <laughs> I mean, other than the Super Bowl, I don't. I mean, I did things, but I don't. My memory is like gone, and I honestly I cannot tell you outside of Sunday what I did this week. I had lunch with friends. Shout out to those friends. I don't remember <laughs> who, but I know that I lunched with people and I went places. But I I'm pulling my calendar up now to see if I can remind myself. Do you but. think that we could get a um, a sponsor from Prevagen? <laughs> Prevagen isn't that what it's called? I would. What would you know? You, Isn't that the? Oh no, that's, that's Vagicel. the memory thing. Oh my god! I, you said Prevagen, and those I, who get to watch, you get to see Jeremy point. I point down. Isn't that Vagicel? I don't know why I'm pointing down at me. I don't. Good I have Lord. I have something no, nobody at this table would know anything about. <laughs> um, I had lunch. With oh, I had lunch with Daniel. Shout out to Daniel. Oh, we went to Pop Bellies. That's a new sandwich shop over oh, on yeah, Colonial Bumby Town. Really good. Um, what kind of sandwich did you get? I had the the wreck. It's called, and it's just meat. Sounds like Chipotle. And more meat, <laughs> and it's just really good. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say. It was a really good sandwich. It reminded me of Quiznos. It's got that um, that heated conveyor belt they put mm. the sandwich through. Remember Quiznos, um, the uh, weird those weird hamster commercials, and they sung awful, and they were like, "We love Quiznos." Oh yeah, love those commercials. I forgot I all about Quiznos. those. So much has fallen away from my childhood. Um, that was my thirties. Oh, we went. I want, do want to give a shout out. We went. Uh, we did a photo shoot for the issue coming up. On uh, bookstores that are supporting banned books, there's a new bookstore that opened in Kissimmee called White Rose Books and More. Cute little shop. Um, it's got uh, all sorts of um, queer and straight books. 
Um, they carry watermarks, so if you need to find oh, a watermark, yeah. go get you one there. Um, but they've got this beautiful wall of like these big um, rainbow and trans-colored flowers. It's just such a cute shop. So if you live in Kissimmee or you're heading through Kissimmee, uh, it's downtown on Broadway. Uh, stop in there. Cute little shop. They have a hot chocolate machine. So get yourself a little cup mm. of hot chocolate and buy yourself a book. Um, and I changed the filter on my CPAP machine. So that's what's on my oh, okay. <laughs> That was my week. Okay. <laughs> How was your week? We, you know, we really, those of us at Watermark, we really just do have our finger on the pulse of what's happening. Yeah, I will say um, this, season, this season of Watermark, um, between... Um, some of our employees, named Bubba, in, who's in here with us, and Caitlin, and then our interns, they're very active these last this last month or so going to things in the community so that I don't have to. So <laughs> my week has been awful, but Watermark's collective week, busy, busy, busy. You can see all the photos uh, on watermarkonline.com. Very nice. Nice plug. You're good. You're uh, you're welcome. I don't, you're good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I, Sorry, the wine's kicking in. <laughs> I've got the capote sweats. <laughs> you have a wine headache. <laughs> How was your week? It was very busy, unlike yeah? yours. Apparently, I need to get a Bubba and a Caitlin you and do. an intern to do things so that I don't have to do them. Um, not that this was a required viewing, but I watched Onward. <gasps> oh, was, we talked I, about this I earlier. I hadn't seen it, and we we were in a in a move in a mood to watch a Disney movie, and discovered there's like a handful that we've never seen, and uh, we watched all the previews and decided on Onward, and I loved it. Yeah, it that movie came out just as the world was shutting down. It was that movie, um, Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, and Bad Boys Three. Bad Boys Three came out like a week or two before the other two. So those that one did a little better, but those movies suffered hard from COVID in 2020. So a lot of people miss those movies, and both, particularly the Harley Quinn movie, Birds of Prey, and um, Onward, loved both of them. They deserved larger audiences. I think than Julia they got. Julia Louise Dreyfus played the mom. The mom, yep. yeah. I love everything she does. Everything she does. She could crap in a bag and smack me in the face, and I'd give her an Emmy for it. You know, not like, but sort of like that. Speaking of bag of <laughs> shit, um, there's, I just got sent this thing the other day, which was the scene of her dancing and Seinfeld. Yeah. And next to her, somebody had put Donald Trump in there doing his dance. <laughs> doing his- and she's going, and everybody's like, what is that? It's hilarious. Um, it's funny because she, I don't know if she specifically has a TikTok, but people around her, like her children and stuff, have TikToks. And, she they do TikToks where they try to get her to do the dance and they'll like do the Elaine dance and they'll cut to her and she's like in the corner with her arms crossed looking at them all annoyingly. Um she's hilarious. I love everything she does. Yeah, she's great. So I, I watched that. Um I'm I'm watching still watching True Detective, by the way, and Friday is the last episode. And I cannot wait. Sunday. Now. This past week, it was moved to Friday to avoid oh, the Super was Bowl. It? Yeah. That's why. Oh, because that's why we're so confused. Because we were looking up to see when new episodes come up. They said new episodes are on Sunday. But when we watched episode four, it said episode five was coming out on Friday. Yeah. They were trying to avoid the Super Bowl. How very nice of them yeah. to give to give Taylor her space. Yeah. <laughs> How very nice of them. Um, 
Also, I went to see Moulin Rouge at the Straz. Oh, performing nice. Center. That's coming to the Dr. Phillips Center soon. It is. How I, was it? Um, I'm not going to tell you. Oh, that's right. I'm going to go see yeah, it. Cause yeah, because you're going to go see it. I got to um, say, um, Moulin Rouge, I have it on my phone. Um, I keep a list of my 12 favorite movies. It's like the 12 days of Christmas. My 12 favorite movies of all time. Moulin Rouge, up near the top. I do love Moulin Rouge, the movie. Yeah. A lot. Um, so... But I just want to say this is playing at Straz because we love that Straz and Dr. Phillips give they they allow us to come in and see it so we can talk about their their shows and so it's very nice of them to do this mm-hmm. and I just want to let everybody know that if you are inclined to go see Moulin Rouge you have until February 26th to see it at the Straz Center it will be um, that's not true next Sunday I think is the last day at Straz. The uh, yeah, um, because it's at stress of the 18th. My yeah. bad. Oh, so, um, yeah, we're gonna talk about it. I was like, we're gonna talk about it in the February 26th episode, which is why after gonna, I see it, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about our opinions of it. Um, but it's at stress through the 18th, then it's at Dr. Phillips, uh, the 20th through March 3rd. Yes, uh, so so get your tickets, check it out if you're a fan of it. Um, then you may or may not like. Like yeah. this production. Um, much like Rick uh, with fumbling over the dates, I too fumbled over the dates. So if you pick up Thursday's issue of Watermark, um, we have an interview with one of the actors from Moulin Rouge. Um, I had timed it thinking that it started at the Straz next week, um, but it is currently playing. So yeah, it's um, currently playing at Straz. Get that issue through as the soon 18th, as it goes on. And Tuesdays. then Dr. Phillips 20th through March 3rd. Yeah, we interviewed Max Heitman, um, mm-hmm. who plays Baby Doll. Yeah, one of the Lady D or Lady M dancers, yes. the Lady Marmalade dancers, uh, and we'll talk about the scene and what it reminded me of when we talk about it on February twenty sixth. Um, I will say this though, because I'm not going to talk too much about it, but Christian yeah. Douglas, who plays Christian in this, was mm-hmm. really good, and 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 I was impressed. Now I yeah. saw this on Broadway. I will tell you about the Broadway production that I saw. Sure, I was not impressed. Um, now the set is beautiful and gorgeous, um, but you you need. Like Christian, you need to believe everything about him, yeah. right? And I had just missed Aaron Tevitt. Is that his name? The mm. famous guy yeah. that, that was, he was in it. He played Christian. He was just right after him, and they had somebody filling in for a brief period of time. And it was almost like, I don't know if it was like, hey, you've got four hours to learn this part, or if it was like, this person's like, I'm a serious actor and this is a stupid role. But it just, like, there was no excitement or believability, and it was just difficult uh, for me to, to enjoy it. So I was, like, reluctant to go, uh, but I was pleasantly surprised by um, by the performance of Christian. So that was really good. Um, uh, I will say, mentioning that, um, that reminds me of a TikTok I saw the other day. I guess Josh, not Josh Brolin, um, who's the one who's on Broadway in Sweeney Todd? Josh Groban. Groban. I guess he just left and somebody new came in and people were tearing him apart on TikTok. Oh, really? Um, Because they had a clip of him, uh, the new guy, as um, uh, Sweeney Todd. And it's awful. I mean, I don't know if he was just like in like overly excited mood, but he's just very dramatic in it. And it uh, was not giving me like vibes like I would want to go see this show. I feel like I don't know what I don't know enough about Sweeney Todd to know what to know what these roles are. But the one kid from Stranger Things, yes, and then the kid from Heartstoppers is currently in Sweeney Todd. Yes, um, so I don't know not, about that. They're not playing the leads. <laughs> no, 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 no. They're playing the kid. Um, did you ever see the movie Sweeney Todd? With Johnny Depp? I, I think I may have. But... I know Broadway purists probably hate that, but I love that movie. 
It's I, so good. I, I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a purist in anything necessarily, except you know, air supply. And even then, I don't you know whatever. Uh, but I'm I know this. Is, I don't I don't have the appreciation that others do for Tim Burton movies. Yeah, and so. I didn't. You also feel the same way about Sondheim, so this must just be a, be a train wreck for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and the character, like the person that's the evil person in Harry Potter that is in there. Alan Rickman, tread no. tread lightly. No, 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 no. The, the 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 witch. She's like she's. The... Oh, Helena Bottom Carter. Yeah. Oh. Uh, well, you hate her. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you I'm, and Kate Blanchett. And no, no, Emma, Emma Thompson. Thompson. That's like, right. Yeah, you I and Emma so, Thompson. I don't. I don't know her. I don't. It's just like she just the roles that she tends to play are people I don't. Yeah, I'm not invested in. So I just the whole everything about that movie is like turn, can't find a turn, damn thing I like about. <laughs> turn it. on the air conditioner now. Um, so anyway. Um, yeah, but yeah. So I will check out Moulin, Moulin Rouge, Rouge, and we'll talk about it on the twenty sixth. And then I went to see. I have to shout, give them a shout out because I really enjoyed the show. I went to American Stage, which is a theater in St. Pete in downtown St. Pete, and they were um, doing a show called The Chinese Lady, which mm. is about it's it's a true story about Afong Moy, who is the first known um, woman to immigrate from China to the U.S. Oh, interesting. And it's interesting. It's like in the 1800s. I think it's 1834 at 14 years old. Um, she comes to the United States. And the um, it's and, and to her, it's like this big diplomatic mission, right? Like I'm, I'm sitting here and all these audiences are coming in um, for 25 cents per person to see me and learn about the Chinese way of life. And we're going to I'm going to bridge this culture gap and everything's going to be great. Um, and. The reality is it was a sideshow. Yeah. And it and then it, 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 it really gets into these horrible atrocities that 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 um, that happened to Chinese people that I had no idea about. It was like it's like being, you know, 46 years old and learning about Tulsa, Oklahoma for the first time. And it's a lot of instances like that. And it was kind of, it's kind of crazy. So, but I will tell you this one story because if you were there this night that I was there and you, and, and you were talking about the show and you failed to mention this thing that happened, you were doing everyone a disservice. So there's a part of the show where, where she is talking about, like she says, and then the white people, and she's going about all the horrible things that white people have done to Chinese people. And they are awful. And, you know, and she's progressively getting more angry and she's using like props, what I call the Jeremy fan. She's got a big fan. Oh, nice. And um, and she's using it to emphasize things. And then she like turns with her arm and she's like, and then the white people. And she like forces her arm like this and the fan <laughs> flies out of her hand. It goes across the stage. And you're never going to believe this. It hit a white man. It hit a white woman. Oh, like across her, like an, an older white woman hit her. Um, I don't know, older, older than me. There's not, there's not a lot of room for that these days. But um, hit her, and like it completely, like it was audibly uncomfortable for everyone in the theater. Like it was, <laughs> and then we were all like, <gasps> and then there was silence. And then I don't know, like how do you react to that as an actress that just threw a prop at a, at a patron? Like what do you do? And so she looks across the stage, she's like, 
um, and she kind of smiles because I think she's like uncomfortable and doesn't know what to do. Then she walks over to where the lady is. She puts her hand out. She takes the fan back and like she bows a little. And then she kind of walks away and then she kind of goes back. And all the time we're all like, what is happening? And, and she's, and then she leaned forward and she was, she was like, are you okay? And lady says she was fine. So this whole show, by the way, it's two people on stage for an hour and a half, no intermission. Um, and one of the, the guy on stage plays, it's a Chinese guy who plays her, um, servant. So he's getting her, her teas and all the things that she does to prance in front of the white people. And, he he gets his character gets progressively more angry as things get worse for Chinese people in America, and um, while this is all going on, and hits the woman, and she comes back, and the actress is obviously frustrated. He just he just looks up and he sighs and he goes, ah. and then the white people <laughs> to like give her her line to get her back on track, and she just started laughing and she's like, okay, okay, we can move on, and and they finish the show. But it's a good show. I think it's something that's important. I think people should see it. Um, it is playing at the Stras through February 22nd, so go check that out. We also, I mean, we talked about how in this issue of, that's coming out on Thursday uh, for Watermark, how we'd have the interview with the guy from Moulin Rouge. We also have a, an interview with the lead of this, Che Lee, I think it is, um, who was really great in it. That's the one who threw the fan? That's the one who accidentally threw the fan. She she was struggling with the with the props, um, but they have a they have an interesting story, um, you know, of transitioning and the process where they are in this process of transitioning and and what their pronouns are, um, and the fact that this this is kind of the the last hurrah of femininity in this sort of character that they're playing. So it's very interesting. I think that yeah, you should definitely check it out. I'm a big fan of the Chinese lady, American stage. Oh. I wasn't sure what you were gonna say, it, and it's the first time in a while that I've been in a in a room where an audience has been quiet and watched yeah. the show. Except, I think this is where the person was sitting next to Ryan, who was like, mm. <laughs> mm. "I don't know who it is, but they worked there, and so them and their friend that also worked there mm-hmm. were kind of like a little bit like, oh, look, oh, this is that thing that, you know." And I was like, yeah. "Okay, we get it, you know." You know the people. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then apparently the person sitting behind us is the understudy for the role of the guy. And we know him. Mm. Uh, Well, we know Watermark knows him. He he used to work uh, for our previous landlord. Look at this. We are still talking about our week, and you're already through your bottle of wine. I have a tiny bottle. It's a mini bottle. (laughs) All right, well, this this next segment's not going to take long, right? No. Um, we're going to talk about, um, as we will for the preceding weeks um, that it's on air, um, the next episode of Ryan Murphy's Feud Season 2, Capote versus the Swans. <laughs> um so this one, we'll go through it. Just a really brief. Um, I want to tell people, like when we were covering fellow travelers, like yes. you and I both liked it, and we had like a thousand notes per episode. Like this one, come on. This one, it's a very interesting episode because it it doesn't. I mean, it does carry the story along, but it's not the primary story that the first two episodes were telling. This entire one is told in black and white, um, in a, a, a documentary that Truman Capote is having um, commissioned um, after the release of his um, um, 
uh, novel uh, in Cold Blood. You know what's interesting about uh, about the episode is I watched it again today because you said that you were going to watch it. Yeah. So I, I, I played it while I was doing other things. And there actually is a lot that happens in it. Like you, you get to understand where he starts to turn on them. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of character it's, it's development very, it's, as it's, the, it's all very subtle the industry says but yeah it's um if you're looking for that basic narrative like the first two episodes have you're not going to get that um and some might even watch it and say oh this seems boring but it is there is a lot of story intertwined <laughs> in the actual documentary we would it. be two of those someone we would be. <laughs> um so it opens with um as with as some documentaries do with some text on the screen kind of setting the the scene, setting the stage. Oh, excuse me. And it says, the release of Truman Capote's In Cold Blood fractured the landscape of American literature. I mean, it it, it was a very important book, we'll say. Um, in 1966, What Truman, was it about? It was about a murder that happened in, I want to say Missouri. It was somewhere out in the Midwest. And he went out... And he brought with him the author, uh, Harper Lee, who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. And they went out and did interviews. It was the first nonfiction novel. So it was the first kind of true crime novel. And all of the, not only the true crime books that you read, but the true crime podcast you listen to, the true crime um, movies that you watch, those are all because Truman Capote wrote this book. And he kind of laid the blueprint of what that is still today. So it was a very important book. Truman Capote is kind of a pain in the ass, though. So it's hard to really, like, you know, it's hard to separate. And I think we do that a lot in in uh, in media these days with all types of entertainment. It's separating the obnoxious person who created it and how much you can like what they made. Um, but it is a very pivotal and, and important book because it kind of created a genre. Um, um, but in 1966, he uh, makes this documentary um, that is chronicling the literal, literary and social ascendancy of Truman Capote. So he's the whole thing is him setting up this uh, masquerade ball uh, in 1966. Um, he's kind of riding high. His, his novel is this huge hit, and uh, he's throwing this party, and all of his swans are helping him um, to set this up. Um, so it opens with, and th the whole episode is filled with this, and I realized why it's really hard for me to get into this show and say, oh, I really am, am um, excited by this show. Because it's about, at, at the root of it, it's just a bunch of rich people doing rich people things. And it's just, I don't give a shit about these people's lives. <laughs> and so it's it's like watching them. And when they're like, like it opens with them talking about art and they're doing that very smug thing rich people do and they're like, mm, I'm going to hang this in my house. And the the light hits the paints on this one and it's so... But yeah, there was a really funny moment <clears throat> and I just, I want to give it to because I can't do it in the voice, so but I'll let you. Sure. You, but anyway, so she's looking at a picture, she's looking at a Monet and she's looking at a Manet. And she's like, describing the difference within the two and why she likes one and blah, blah, blah. And Truman Capote goes, what is he? He's like, Monet, Manet, let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> He's I, so stupid. I think it's so, it's so bad, it's good. Um, 
but he does say something actually when they're talking that made me think, you know, it's kind of just describes who Truman Capote was. And um, he asked Babe, because it's Babe and, 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 and Truman. And he's like, why do you love me? Lord knows I'm not easy to love. And I was like, you're right. You recognize this, so fix it. But he doesn't fix it. He recognized that he's a difficult person. And he enjoys being a difficult person. And this whole episode, I thought, was a real good kind of a juxtaposition of the swans see him like a pet. In fact, one of them, I think it was Babe, who says he's like a parakeet. And they all see him as their little pet. But he's also it treats them like they're animals that he has in like this experiment. And he's just like, you know, we're going to see if I, I pro- dangle this in front of all of them. Uh, but then take it away. Let's see how they all respond kind of thing. And it's just, they, they're not real friends. And it's very weird to watch rich people be smug with each other and realize you really have nothing in life except all of the money that I would like to have. Yeah, you know, um, I do like that whole scene too because when he asked her what the... Um, what the um, why she loved him and she she went on to say why she did and it was just kind of funny because then she's like her afterthought with that was oh of course i feel the same way in my marriage yeah (laughs) but um so the the whole thing is just them setting up this party um and them setting up the guest list there's a, a couple of scenes with the back and forth where um like slim specific her ex husband um, is coming to the party with his new girlfriend who he cheated on uh, on Slim with, and Slim doesn't want that, uh, want her there, and, and they have this little blowout. But it's it's just, it's it's a very, I mean, it's, it's a hard watch if you're not, like, super invested in this show already. It's a hard watch because of the way it's filmed. Yeah. Because they didn't, like, I guess back then when you made documentaries, you didn't have gimbals, so the, the, the cameras are shaky, um, and it's it's used to me, you know. I, I obviously I'm not the producer or director, and I don't know what the choices made, what they were intending to do. But it's almost like they're like rather than just show you the the what what started the fight, we're going to do it in this thing where like oh we're filming a documentary so we're gonna film the things that that they want us to film but we're also gonna keep the cameras rolling and we're gonna show you what what they really think of capote and so that was the whole point of it i think is like every one of them had some sort of a side where the camera was there and capote wasn't and they said something yeah that is gonna piss him off and then then at the end he's watching all the footage and he's clearly pissed and he's like, show me that again, because yeah. the Ken- cause Jacqueline Kennedy's sister said the had him pegged spot on about what he does with people and that he may- he wants everyone to think that they're the most important. And he toys with us because we're women and he knows that he can and that we're just going to put up with it because, you know, our lives suck. And the only way we can get through all of this is to know that we can't trust anybody, including him. And he did not like that scene. Yeah. I mean, there's one part in where the, he's CZ is having the IRS is coming in and, and taking all their stuff away. Um, and he says, well, I'll be right there. And he tells the cameraman, the documentary people pack up. We got to get going. And uh, they're like, why are we rushing over there? And he says, so I can swoop in and fix things as I do. 
That's his whole thing is just he wants to be the, the fix-it guy for them, the one that they all depend on. Which is like, you know, yeah. they have husbands. And I'm going to guess that his entire life is just built in insecurity. And mm-hmm. he, he's like, I have to be the one to fix this. So I am important to them. And he he's just a super insecure person. Yeah. So can we just talk real quick about sure. the Demi Moore scene? Oh, before that, I do want to say we do learn where he gets the name for his book, Answered Prayers. That is all about them. Um, it is a quote from that one of the, the main documentarian tells him. From St. Teresa of Avila. Uh, I guess that's one of the saints. Um, but uh, it says, more tears are shed over answered prayers than unanswered ones. And I was like, mm. And he goes, yeah, mm. put that on a tattoo. He's like, answered prayers. Answered prayers. That's going to be the name mm. of my book. Oh, my God. That. Okay, now come on. This poor documentarian who busts his ass to make this documentary. Yeah, who's and getting then, groped on. And then he says, I'm sorry, this would be a better book. Yeah. Because he decided to make it a book because he could narr- he could manage the he story. Could change, yeah. And so it's not about them saying what's wrong with him. He would say what's wrong with, with mm-hmm. the, the swans. He's just a manipulative, not good person. No, and none of them are. And maybe this is why people watch Real Housewives. But they have money, and money makes them good. I'm kidding. It- um, but it's, I wrote this down because I was like, I think this is also why like nowadays people watch Real Housewives. Cause I've tried to watch, it's, you know, it's wildly pop, wildly popular. Everybody loves it. I tried to watch it and I can't get through an episode cause I can't stand these people. Nope. Um, um, but I think what, what it is, is people like to watch insufferable rich people experience downfalls. And I think that's what, why people liked watching Capote and these swans, uh, because, it's just all these terrible things that happen to them. And then like, you know, normal things that we all deal with, you know, cancer or depression or sadness or alcoholism, uh, insecurities, broken marriages. It's like, mm, see all the money in the world couldn't save you from the poor things that us poors deal with. So it's fun to watch you suffer. And I realize as I'm watching this, when they're like talking about, they're like, oh, we're going to have a party. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> but when they're like, I have no friends and I'm sad, I was like, mm, yes. <laughs> yes, you are sad. <laughs> yes, be sadder. I like it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, that's, uh, let's get, talk about the Demi Morrison. Because I know you're like, you know, you're Team Demi. I'm Team Demi. In this entire show. <laughs> there are two scenes that are award worthy in this first three episodes, and, and they're she's all in Demi. both of them. Yeah, I mean, that scene at the lunch when she attacks it about why is he doing this to her. Yeah. But so this is kind of where it starts, right? So he has this party, and he doesn't invite her. Susan Woodward, is that her name? It is um, Demi. I have you written down here, Demi. Ann Woodward. Ann Woodward. So he, he doesn't invite Ann Woodward, who he you, you assume he's really close friends with yeah. and was. From what I understand, we're only three episodes in, that she was the original swan is right. the feeling I get. Right. Yeah. That's what I get, too. And so she's not invited to the soiree, but she shows up with her son because it's it's the elite, and she wants her son to be among the elite, and he, she wants him to be introduced and get out. So they crash the party, and he walks up and just – starts ripping into her about, mm-hmm. you know, everybody knows that you killed your husband and you're embarrassing and you need to leave and and just completely like degrades her and she has the best the best lines in the show. Um but she describes him as oh I, I will say this because he said something about she says, Would would you turn your mother away? 
And he's like, my mother was turned away from parties like this. And that's why she was miserable and killed herself. And, and then she said to him, like, you're poison. And one day you will know what that poison tastes like. Mm-hmm. The only unforgivable sin is deliberate cruelty. And then says that, that that's a line that you wrote. And then he that's sits. That's from his book, yeah. From his book. And then he sits there and he's like, mm, and she walks mm-hmm. away. And he's like, mm. At least we know she was paying attention. <laughs> like I, when he was doing that, and he's like rubbing his hand and doing his little thing, I was like, I know this isn't that kind of show, but I would love it if periodically throughout this entire season, when he does something just so slimy and smug, that that guy just walks into frame and punches him in the face again, <laughs> and then just walks off. <laughs> Yeah, he's like a terrible person, and then he gets mad because his boyfriend dances with the swans. Yeah, and, and he, and then he goes completely batshit and starts talking to himself, talking to his mom. Yeah, and dancing That's with her. How, yeah, it ends with he's overlooking the party. It's now in color. We're past the documentary part, and Jessica Lang returns, and she's all like, you know, um, you know, what a wonderful party you're having here. I can't do a Jessica Lang voice. <laughs> um, and yeah, he's all like, you know, it's like, you, mom, I love, you're my best friend. And um, she, they dance. And it's just weird because this takes place in 1966. Because when I, she first came out, I was like, is she actually, because he's like, I'm glad you got the invitation. And I'm like, did he invite her? And then I realized she died in 1955. Yeah, that's why he says, um, you know, I, I I didn't know if you get my invitation, where to send it. Because she's dead. There's no oh, to send yeah. It. Well then, I yeah. Then I realized she's dead, and I was like, "Oh, so is this all going well, on in his head, or yeah. are people watching him dance with a ghost?" No, if you if you, I, I've seen it twice, so I'm not saying like, "Oh, you should have noticed this." But um, when after he gets mad at his boyfriend for dancing with everybody, yeah, um, then um, Calista Flockhart's character, the Kennedy, mm-hmm. stares is watching him, and he's over by the dance floor in black and white, talking to himself, and then he's like doing this. <gasps> oh! That's, I thought he was just drunk. No, so oh, what they that did makes sense. is they went back at the end to and show you him that he was talking to his dancing mother. Dancing with dancing. a ghost. Yes. Fantastic. <laughs> Way to go, Gus Van Sant. Made it a little bit better. Um, nah, I just wasn't really into this episode. I love yeah. this show. I really do like it. I love the actors in this. This is like all right. of them are just eating up this this the, the these characters. Um, the actual story of these people, I can't stand these people. And it's one of those things, like, the longer we go into this, if I don't start to find something that I'm like, oh, some redeeming quality, I'm going to end up hating this show. Because I just can't watch something about a bunch of assholes being assholes, and then at the end they're just like, well, we were assholes. Thanks for watching. Yeah. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what uh, I don't know I I don't know what the true story is, so I don't know what the outcome is yeah. going to be. I do know that, and I thought it was maybe this documentary, but then again, I don't know if this ended up getting released maybe after he died. But there is a documentary on Hulu called The Capote Tapes, so maybe I'll watch that this week and see if maybe it's this uh, this episode is based off of maybe things that were released after he died. Stay tuned, fellow listeners. Let me know if it's interesting. If it's anything like this episode, I don't want to watch it. <laughs> TLDR. I'll give you. Oh my the god! Rundown. I want to point this out too. So when yeah. when the when he's talking about the to the boyfriend and the boyfriend's at the bar with Molly Ringwald, um, who is Johnny Carson's ex wife. Yes. But apparently she's still with Johnny at this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah. So they're sitting there talking, and she's like, "Oh, come on, let's go do this. Let's have fun. Where's Johnny?" And he goes, fingering a coat. Yeah. 
I'm he telling was you, such he's, a dick. he was a dick. I don't know how you can call them your friends when you treat them like that. People don't treat their friends like that. Well, they shouldn't. But I mean, we all know people like that, don't we, fellow readers? Join us next time as we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so far, I mean, we'll keep watching it. I mean, I don't know if we're watching because we promised everyone we would or we're actually enjoying it, but we'll see what the next episode brings. We'll see. We'll, we'll hang in there. Yeah. Um, so the next assignment, we, we took yes. a cue from uh, from a listener. Yes, we had a, uh, somebody commented on one of our posts on Instagram. Not, not the full name, but the first name. I don't want but I can pull up our Instagram real quick. It's on our main, our pinned post they commented on. Was it one? It was our reader by the name of. Wait for it. Where'd it go? Oh, Juan Casson. Can you guys please watch Nimona on Netflix? We'll love to hear your review. So that's what we did. Nimona, um, actually, it, it kind of fills f- fits into wanting us wanting to watch uh, as many queer Oscar-nominated movies as we can. Uh, Nimona is an animated film on Netflix that was nominated for Best Animated Feature. Um, so we gave it a watch. Didn't we? We sure did. What'd you think? Watched the whole thing. Um, now, I will oh, say, before you, we get into this... we didn't. Ask, I didn't ask you what you thought Feud was. I don't think it changed from last time on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh. oh, I don't um, think it changed. I don't remember what it was. It's 76, 78. Oh, I think that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, I do want to preface this before we get into this, that you are not as much of an avid animation watcher as I am, um, especially outside of Disney. Like, you're a fan of Disney animation. I, I, have, I do not typically watch... I don't. I haven't even seen the Minion shows. I couldn't name a show that I. I watched an American Tale with Fightful. Yeah. That wasn't Disney. Did you watch Shrek? I did watch Shrek. Shrek was not Disney. All right, yeah. all right. There we go. Did you watch The Secret of Nim back in the eighties? Back in the eighties. God, I love that. That yeah. is on my list. I'm gonna pull my list up and show you. Isn't that? That Disney? is one of my. No, it's um uh Don Bloom. Is uh, that Don Bloom? I don't know. Is that what it is? Bloom Blumenfeld. Don Blumenfeld. You know. Back from college. Um, <laughs> I think it's Don Bloom, but I might be wrong. But it's he did the um like the Anastasia and the and the and the I did not watch Secret Anastasia. of the Nim. I think he did American Tale. Isn't Anastasia touring a Broadway show that is a Disney show? It's a touring show based off this Don Bloom um movie. It was it was I believe Paramount, Paramount and Universal, one of them, worked with Don Bloom to make a Disney-esque princess movie because they wanted to get into the Disney game. Okay. Um, but it is the most Disney, Disney-fied of that uh, studio's movies. Okay. So the point is, the I don't point really is, watch. You don't watch animation don't outside watch animation. of Disney. Right. Um, but this movie, it's... Um, I really like this movie. I'm just going to say off the bat. I don't know if you did. Um, I thought there were some excellent uh, themes in this movie about where we are in, t- in society today. I will reserve my comments on my thoughts as I get through the cast. Because I okay. want to talk about like who's in it. Okay. Because I find this very interesting. Yes. So I like to start with what I find interesting first. <laughs> so Nimona is p- played by Chloe Grace Moretz. Yes. Who was in Kick-Ass. She was in Carrie. 
Um, I think the fifth wave was a show that she was in that I really wanted to see it that take off and become something like the fifth wave. Yeah, it was kind of like um, I think it was an alien movie and it was like the fifth wave of alien attacks and these kids had to solve had to save the world. I could be making that up, but I'm just saying. Huh. Um, so she plays. So we we'll talk about just kind of the general gist of it. Yeah, right? we'll t- yeah we'll talk about the characters. Okay, and then we'll give the general story. So she's a shapeshifter who, by the it, name of Nimona, Nimona, that's the who, the who is after, looking yeah. for belonging. Yeah, <laughs> you know, pretty much. And so she attaches herself to Ballister Boldheart, who is played by Riz Ahmed, and um, Academy Award winning Riz Ahmed. And I wrote on here. I bet he spits Riz. <laughs> <laughs> Which caused Normally me... I would find your silly jokes entertaining, but he is a fine actor and deserves more respect. Um I did notice that he was in Rogue One. And yes. um honestly that's my favorite Star Wars movie. Mine too. I really enjoy well, it. That and Empire Strikes Back are like on the same level for me. Oh, I really like Rogue One. I like the whole idea of knowing like even watching that show, isn't Andor a show now and isn't that mm-hmm. where that like you know they're all gonna die anyway. Yeah. Um, but aren't we all? So anyway, he um he was in the night of. Is that what he that's not a he didn't win it. What no, he no, no. he got Award a cat Oscar nominated for Sound of Metal, but he okay. won for a short film that he produced. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's um he's talented and very handsome. The long goodbye, I think is what it's called. Um he plays um kind of this like non noble um like riffraff kind of kid who the Aladdin of the night world, right? Who who um was given a chance to become a knight, yeah. like like hey, you look like you you know you look like an upstanding young man. Let's let's turn you into a knight. And so it wasn't just people of noble descent who could do it. And so he was working his way up to become that um, by and, the queen. Yeah, the queen. Right, by said, the queen. Hey. Um, you. And then he gets knighted. Are we going to tell that part of it? He gets knighted. Yeah. Um, but while he's being knighted, his sword opens up and kills the queen. Yes. There's a laser in the the hilt, I think is what they call that part of the sword. Um, and it kills her. And as it's burning a laser. Oh, we forgot to mention, because this is the beginning. He has a boyfriend. He does. <laughs> he has a boyfriend. We're going get, to get to that when we get to um, his boyfriend is. One of the Try Guys. Golden Loin. <laughs> Golden Loin, played by Eugene Leon, who is one of the Try Guys. Yes. Who came out recently. Yes. Uh, yeah, Chloe is, uh, Nim- uh, Namora is gay. She's a lesbian. Uh, or she might be bi, but she's queer. We'll, we'll, we'll say she's queer. Um, Riz, I don't know if he is or not, but he plays gay. And then uh, Eugene, um, who um, is uh, Ambrosius Goldlion. Do you know, I wrote this down because it made me laugh. When somebody said his name, Ambrosius. Um, Embro. No, they call it Ambrosius. And then somebody else went, Gunzudheit. <laughs> I, <read that. laughs> I wrote that down, too. That cracked me up. Um, but yes, he plays Ambrosius, the boyfriend. And But as he's lasering down the queen, as their training teaches them, um, he cut his boyfriend's arm off. This is all in the within the first like right. two minutes of the movie. Kill the queen, chop his arm off. Right, chops his chops his boyfriend's arm off by trying to disarm him. 
Um, yeah. Oh, he disarmed him. Oh, and so part of this whole like, hey, everybody, the big night ceremony is coming, blah, blah, blah. It's like this whole like e-entertainment style announcer yeah. thing. And that the announcer is played by RuPaul. Yes, RuPaul and India, I forget their last name, uh, from Pose. Ah. <laughs> Sorry, I lost my air there. It's like, Pose. Um, they're the, yeah, they're like the E, uh, um, uh, casters, newscasters. Um, but it's, cause the story starts off with a thousand years ago and it's like traditional kind of knights of the medieval times. And then we go a thousand years in the future and it's like this super futuristic world, but it's also knights and medieval. It's like, um, uh, oh, what's that? Uh, Blade Runner. It's like Blade mm. Runner meets Shrek is how this movie felt to me. Right. And it's interesting. So, so, um, Ballister Boldheart's sword kills the queen. Mm-hmm. And then his boyfriend, Golden Loin, and they're all like, I can't say that seriously. Golden Loin. We'll just use his first name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't say that either. Ambro. I, I call, like, cause they call himself Bal and Ambro. Okay, that's their nickname. So, their so pet names for Ambro now thinks that Bal killed the queen, and everybody yeah. does. And now Bal is evil, and everyone is searching for him and hates yeah, him. Yeah, so he goes into hiding, which makes Namona say, like, because she's a monster, or like, yeah. she's always been called a monster because she's a shapeshifter, and and that's just what people think of her. And so they're like. So she says, oh, I'm going to be his sidekick because yeah. we're going to do evil things because we're monsters and that's what we do because that's what people tell us. And so she he, links up with him and his whole thing is, I'm not evil. I'm trying to clear my name. And so that's what they set out to do. Yeah. And she tells him, I wrote this line down because I thought this was interesting. Once they see you as a villain, that's all you ever are. And that's that's the mindset that she is in. And you right. will learn later in this film why she has that mindset. Um, I will say that Frances Conroy is in this. <gasps> love her. I, I love her. Everything she does is amazing. Six Feet Under, Ugh. incredible She's American in Horror American Story. American Horror Story. She's Barney Stinson's mom in How I Met Your Mother. Oh, Fant- really? Everything she does is fantastic. She's fantastic. So she plays the director. Um, Lorraine, is it? Tous- I want Toussaint. I know. I'm. Gonna, it's uh, French. Is it Lorraine Toussaint? Two saints. Two saints. Um, she plays the queen. She's in The Equalizer, which I watch and love, and she's oh. also in Orange is the New Black. Um, Ugh, Beck, Beck, Beck Bennett. Bennett cracks me up in this. Of course it's Beck Bennett. I enjoyed him in this. Um, I hate this character, but you're supposed to hate right. this character. He's such a smug prick. But once I found out it was Beck Bennett, it made total sense. Now, if you watch SNL, you yeah. know who Beck Bennett is. He played, like, Boss Baby. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, like, um, which cracked me up. But he up. plays Todd in this, who's the... Um, the smug, the like. If you look at this like an '80s movie, he's the the blonde high school villain who bullies everybody. Yeah, he's Johnny Lawrence. Yeah, from from yeah. Uh, Karate Kid. Um, you know, Sarah Sherman's in it from SNL as well. I don't even know who she plays. <laughs> she is Coriander Kavarvish. I barely remember that character. I don't know who that is. And I apologize to Sarah Sherman. I have not quite like glommed on to like her in a as a um like an SNL character that I want to see all the time. So but she was she was good in this. Everybody yeah. was good in this. Uh and then Julio Torres as the squire and he is a gay writer and an actor. Yeah. Um and he the, the you should mention we should mention this in the beginning. Um he is the squire who hands uh Bao the sword that opens up uh, the laser in the hilt and kills the queen. 
So um, after he goes into hiding and Nimona wants to be his sidekick. Um, By the way, when that sword opened up, we yeah. were just watching the video. I was watching with Jen. The sword opened up and Jen yells, oh, no. <laughs> and I, I do this to her all the time because she like overreacts to TV yeah. things that are happening on TV. And I'll look at her. So I looked at her after that and I was like, do you need me to pause it? Do you need a minute? <laughs> Get to collect yourself. I will just say that I may have also audibly gasped when it opened and I was like, no, this is too early in the film to hurt someone. It's not like somebody checked the fan across the stage and an audience member in the head. Anyway, so he meets Nimona and she's like, we're going to, you know, um, I'm going to be your sidekick. And he said, I'm just going to go explain the situation. It's not like they're going to throw me in jail. And it cuts to they throw him in jail. <laughs> and they took his arm away. So his poor little one-armed man is in jail. At this point, you don't know Nimona's a shapeshifter. She just pops up and you're like, he's like, you know, how the hell do you just pop out of nowhere? Um, and she helps him break out of jail. Uh, this is where we learn that she's a shifter because she shifts into a bunch of animals. Uh, more, uh, Most importantly at this uh, jailbreak, a rhinoceros uh, and then a whale, uh, which cracked me up because she turned into a whale and it's crashing through. Uh, and it just makes all this damage, and then they leave, and uh, um, <laughs> stupid, it's so stupid. This I love this movie. It's so stupid. Um, when the the knights are cleaning up, and uh, um, Bill Bennett, not Bill, Beck Beck Bennett's uh, Todd, and he's like, Dude, "Your uncle's head fell on my grandma's butt because <laughs> they're all all the statues of their ancestors." And uh, the guy off camera, he's like, ha you're hilarious. This is so sad, though. <laughs> <laughs> I had to pause it because it killed me. It was uh, cracking me up. Um, but uh, so after he breaks him out of prison and she's like, you know, obviously your plan didn't work. So let's go kidnap the squire. Well, when they were when they were escaping, they were in the subway, right? Yes. They were in the subway getting away. Um, I just want to I like mm. to appreciate all the gayness that is this movie. I don't know if you noticed this, but the saxophone player was playing Careless Whisper. I did, yes. <laughs> Careless Whisper. And then um, also, shout out to uh, Pizza Rat. I remember <laughs> Pizza Rat. Now. Yeah. She changes into a mouse after she's escaping from them and grabs a piece of pizza just laying on the floor in the subway and drags it onto the subway with them. <laughs> that whole like that whole like banter back and forth. Yeah. She's like, "Do you want some pizza?" He's like, "No." And then they get into a fight about something and then he's like, "Do you have any pizza, have any left? pizza left?" <laughs> it's a very cute movie. I I when I saw the trailer to this originally, I thought it was like some anime movie. And I'm not a huge I, there's some anime I watch, but I'm not like super obsessed with anime. So I didn't watch it. And then somebody had told me it's super gay. You should watch it. So I'd watched it back when it first got the Oscar nomination. And it is a very cute movie. Um, it, I absolutely adore this movie. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so they go and they get the squire who is also very gay. There's so much gay in here. And I love that nobody really mentions it. It's yeah. like you're either gay or, you know. The, the, right. And it's not like the two guys are hiding it from each yeah. other or hiding it from other people. It's just none of it's hidden. Yeah. Um, and I love that. I love watching a movie, particularly a kids movie, where it's, that's just how the characters are. And it's not, it's not addressed. It's not like, you know, they're not bullied because they're two gay princes or knights who love each other. Um, they're bullied because one of them is a poor. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, he's um, definitely bullied a lot. Yeah, he's bullied, but it's because he's poor and, and he, not because he's a gay. Poor. Right. And he doesn't come from a from a 
from a, a, a noble bloodline. So they're yeah, like, because he's the first knight not to be from a noble bloodline to be knighted, and that's the queen is the one who kind of started that. Right. Um. So that's that's where the whole um the bullying comes from, not from the gay. Um. So they kidnap the squire, and he has uh, his cell phone um, because it's future nights. So they have their cell phones and stuff. And he's got a video of him um, where I guess he's messing around with the the suit of armor, where they see the director come in and swap out the swords. And it's actually the director. I mean, or is it? I'm just kidding. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. Um, it's one of those movies that, like, if you know the voice cast ahead of time. Uh, Francis Conroy is, you can always spot out who the villain's going to be based on how popular. I mean, she's an Emmy and Golden Globe winning actress. She's been in a bunch of stuff. So you can kind of tell based from the cast list, it's either going to be her or Bill Bennett. And Bill Bennett? Beck Bennett. I always want to call him Bill Bennett. Who's Bill Bennett? I know who he is. Oh. I'm um, not going to talk about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're not going to talk about that here. Um, Beck Bennett. Um, but he's kind of like, you know, he's an idiot in this. So I'm like, I don't think it's going to be him. Um, but we see that she swapped out the swords and it's actually her, her um, who um, who is the villain. I do. I saw this note I made that I, I want to go back to real quick when she's the whale and she's falling through the, the floors and she lands on the showers and Beck Bennett's character is in there and she looks down at him. You just see him from the waist up, but she looks down at him and she says, golden here <laughs> and i was like oh, a penis joke in a children's movie all right um so that that, that was kind of funny um so they get the video <clears throat> and they go they're gonna go to the the castle uh and they're going to show um ambro uh the video and so he's like you know they've got because he's he's been charged to bring um, Balin. So they got the sword up and he's like, I've got a video that's going to prove my innocence. And then um, Todd, who's Beck Bennett, um, the jackass shoots the phone because he he just pops up in this movie at always the most inopportune time. <laughs> and he's just a dick. Yeah. Um, he's like, oh, I'm gonna oh my God, I'm going to shoot the phone. I'm going to shoot the phone. And then we're going to punch you in prison. <laughs> um, that's what they were missing. <laughs> they, needed they needed more Capote, Capote in this. <laughs> um, so there's, there's, and there's a lot of things like, like the prison break scene where they seem like they're not going to be able to get out of this. And then Nimona turns into a big animal and she beats the shit out of people and she saves them. So that's what happens here. She turns into a big animal again. There was a couple of scenes I watched in here thinking as I was watching, I was like, knowing Rick, I think he's going to have a problem with this scene because <laughs> um, at this part, they're like swinging around and there's like hundreds of soldiers of knights and they're all shooting guns at them and they're dodging all of the bullets. And I'm watching this thinking Rick is watching this right now. Like how the hell are they dodging? Every Nobody can hit this giant gorilla swinging through. Nobody's hitting them with a single bullet. I mean, I've seen King Kong. Yeah. And, there were a lot of bullets. I mean, so so maybe the bullets would have hit hit the gorilla, but it didn't do anything because the gorilla is so big. Yeah. Um. So they land on the ground, and it seems like they're going to get both of them. Like they've got her down. They've like laser beamed her or whatever they're doing, and she's on the ground, and they're beating the crap out of of Ball. And you're like, they've they finally got them, 
and then she turns into this big old dragon from a cereal commercial and starts to shoot cereal at them, which is kind of funny. Like Frankenberries. Yeah. Um, so she's clearing them all out, and then she shrinks down into a little girl because there's an, a little girl there that she she rescued. And the little girl picks up a sword, and she's like, monster. And she's like, you know, there's a couple of scenes in here where she has, like, these flashbacks of somebody calling her a monster. And, um, you know, she's like, you know, she obviously she doesn't, nobody wants to be called a monster. Especially a monster. Yeah, and it's a little girl, and she's holding a sword at her, and she's like, yeah, monster. Um, so um, she gets ball, and they get out of there. Um, they upload the video onto YouTube, I think is what that's supposed to be. Um, and this is where, like, it starts to seem like, like there's a lot taken out from um, current political times. So they upload this video up, and the director's like, uh, fake news, that's not real. <laughs> yeah, that's not um, me. They made that up, I didn't really do that. And so then, like, all her supporters are like, yeah, that's a made-up video. Um, and they're like, no, we didn't make that up. And they're like, you just support everything the director does. And it's like this very Trumpian back and forth. Um, so, um, the, uh, Ambro, I think I'm getting this right. Ambro goes in cause, and he's like, I want to know the truth. And she's like, you can't handle the truth. And, uh, he, she stabs him with a sword and says, uh, you know, you know too much. And then. He has a very dramatic death, which I'm watching this, and I was like, all right, I get it's a kid's movie. But your death is a little dramatic. So she stabs him, and then he falls down, and he dies. And then... Uh, I was I was shocked. Yeah? Were you shocked? I really was. Oh, were you? Oh, yeah. I was. I fell for it. Yeah. As did I, because I was like, what? And then Ball walks in, and he's recording the whole thing, and it turns out that is not Ambro. It is Nimona. We forgot. There's a damn shapeshifter right. in this whole movie. And then I thought, I should have known that by the way that he died. And yeah. Like, eh. He died very cartoony, dramatic. Very Nimona-y. That's so Nimona. That's so Nimona. So Nimona. Um, <laughs> so um, uh, they escape again. Did that happen before they uploaded the video? See, now I'm all mixed up with my notes. Why not do that? Why not do that? <laughs> anyway, bada bing, bada boom. Um, they, they're like, hey, um, we were right. You were wrong. The director's like, oh, no, the, you were a monster, and, and um, uh, everybody hates you. Um, so she goes out. She runs away. Nimona. Um, I'm so confused where we are right now because I think I mixed a couple of scenes up. Where were we? Um. <laughs> The white people. <laughs> it was you. You just described how they fake killed what's his face. Yeah. So then they then they released the video because then That's they had the right. video of the emperor. I mean, of the director, the director saying all that stuff. But then the director went and used the fact that that she shapeshifted into Ambro. To That's say, right. Oh no, that wasn't even me that switched it. It was the shapeshifter, and she <laughs> looked like me, and then tried to confuse everybody. So now everybody's on board with. Oh, it's the shapeshifter that's the monster. So then Ambro goes to the local pub. With... <gasps> oh, that's right. Because Ambro was like, you need to tell me the truth. And she goes, I will show you the truth. And she shows him a scroll. Right. Like an ancient biblical text, if you will. And he's like, interesting. So he asked Ball to meet him at their favorite nacho spot. Um, and they order nachos. And he's like, um, you need to understand that you're being used by Nimona. And he shows in the scroll and that Nimona is the monster 
who way back a thousand years ago um, tried to destroy the village that became their city and that this um, Jesus-like creature, the lady um, who defended uh, the town. What was her name? I, I want to say it was like Goliath. <laughs> Glorith. Glorith. So Glorith defended the city and she's kind of like worshipped in this town. Right. The entire bloodline of the knights are all descendants From of Glorith. Yeah. Which is why it's a problem for this guy to be a defender <clears throat> because he, or for Ball. Ball. <laughs> for Ball. Because he's not a noble Ball. <laughs> he's not no Ball. He's... He's just a he's just know, regular ball. He's just a commoner ball. It's common ball. A common ball. And so the um, <clears throat> you know, so the, so the whole town's defense system is built around this story about how Glorith, yeah, defended the the place against this monster. And it turns out, according to the scroll, the scroll that this shapeshifter is that monster. Nimona is yes. that monster. So Ball goes back to their hideout, and he's like, "Is this you?" And she freaks out and she leaves. She runs away. And she goes out into the woods uh, over the wall, um, which for those who are, are keeping up on, on real world events, the entire city is enclosed in, in a wall to keep the bad people out. <laughs> um, so she goes out there and this is where we get the flashback that we learn the actual story that um, Glorith and Nimona were actual friends as little girls. And she didn't have a problem with her being a shapeshifter, and they ran through the woods, and she turned into a bird and, and a monkey, and, and they played and had a really good time. And then the town folks saw her, and they're like, monster! And uh, in, in as she's scared, she's like, you know, turning to these monsters as they're harassing her. They're kicking her. Yeah, they're beating her. Um, if you ever saw the movie Mother, the scene where they're beating the shit out of Jennifer Lawrence, kind of like that is what I was getting vibes from. Um, and she ends up uh, knocking over a lantern or something, and it lights the hay on fire real quickly. By the yeah. way, yeah, I, I mean that's that, very that, dry hay. She that 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 thing hit the ground, and like two houses over was on fire. Yeah, by it's the time that very thing hit the dry ground. time of the year. Um, so they're they're all like you know monsters trying to burn our town down. So uh, Nimona's like Glorith, you know me, you know me, and Glorith picks up a sword, and she's like monster. monster. And she's like, oh, you're a monster. I need you to get the fuck out of my town. <laughs> and um, so she runs away. And all of this re- reliving, all this hate and everything turns, makes Nimona turn into this giant dark monster. And she attacks the town. And what we, we there's a statue of Glorith in the middle of town holding her sword out like she did to Nimona back then. And we realize that Nimona is storming the city because she's going to go unalive herself on this sword um so they're all like firing at her and she's like destroying buildings it's very godzilla like and as she approaches the statue um ball is at the end of the sword and he like puts his hand out and he's like no and then she like feels the love and it manifests itself into light and she's like oh you do love me and you are my friend and we all learn a valuable lesson except for the director who turns the guns in on the city and Ambrose like, you can't destroy half of the city just to kill one monster. And I'm pretty sure what they're hinting at here is the Israeli Palestine conflict. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it probably wasn't. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) I think that this came out before October. So, 
<laughs> it did. Um, so she points it in, and uh, she's like, I'm going to fire the cannon. I'm going to kill the monster and destroy half the city. And the monster sees, or Nimona sees this, and she says, I'm going to stop this. And she flies, is a fiery phoenix, into the cannon, blows up half the chunk of the wall, and supposedly Nimona and the director die. But saves the city, and Nimona becomes the new Glorith. She's like, she's revered in the town as the savior, and everyone loves her. Kids draw little pictures of her. Um, the knights are gaying it up again. There's like kissing and touching and stuff. And they're all like, you know, we're knights and we're in love with each other. Um, I might have to go back and rewatch the end of this. Oh, I don't remember any touching. Oh, they like hug and (laughs) kiss and mm, touch each other's armor and stuff. Um, so, uh, all is right. Nimona saved, uh, sacrificed herself to save the city. Um, so uh, one of the drawings the little kid did, uh, Ball takes it back to the hideout and he hangs it on the wall so that Nimona somewhere will know that she is loved. And he turns around and you hear Nimona's voice and then cut to credits. She said something like, hey, boss, right? Yeah, she said something. Yeah. And then so it's like you don't see her, but um, it's like, oh, sequel bait. So Nimona will move on. Nimona will be back. Um so yeah, uh, I really enjoyed this movie. One thing I really enjoy because I don't pay full price for all of these streaming services, I have to have the commercial version of Netflix. Um, there are no commercials on children's programming on Netflix, so thumbs oh, up very to that. Nice. So very nice. what did you think? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Was it not your thing? I will say, I, I mean, it's a, it's a, I don't know if it's meant to be a children's Mm-hmm. movie uh because sometimes animated movies aren't necessarily children's movies yeah um but I, I i don't think that their point was subtle but i like the point right? yeah so this this i see you and you're not alone right and that you know what there's a line i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get it right so sure. you can because i'm reading it and it makes no sense so my notes <laughs> don't make sense uh, you know, I type these into my phone, and I, you know, I'm I'm old, and I can't see my screen, and I got sausage thumbs. So, um, something about when she, when she's talking about being bullied as a kid, um, she says something about kids grow up thinking that they can be a hero, um, uh, until until someone runs a sword through their heart, or until until they run swords through the hearts of anything different. So she's like, she's thinking she's a hero until they find out she's different and then they want to run a sword through her heart and kill her because she's different than all of them. I mean, and I think that's it. That's the point. The point is I see you and you're not alone kind of a thing. And I think that that's amazing and beautiful. What I love about this film too is just how queer it is. Yes. Like it doesn't, I mean, it's, it's just, it's that whole like unapologetically queer thing where it's just, there's so many queer people involved in this and it's like an all-star queer thing and and it's a great movie i really really did enjoy it it didn't i mean dylan's kind of helped break me into watching more animated stuff i know that you're not a fan of bob's burgers but we love bob's burgers and watch that a lot and so um i get more used to the idea of it and i thought this was really good i think it would be a really great live action show too but maybe it was better as a cartoon because namona could as, as a real live person namona would probably be annoying yeah um, and I can see, yeah, there's, there's, there are aspects of her that it's like, and there's a lot, I mean, South Park comes to mind, things that you can do in animation that will make you laugh that I think in live action, 
is just harder to do. Yeah. Um, but I am reading through it. It looks like this was rated TV PG, so intended for kids, but um, um, has that uh, that adult humor in it. Um, I did read here that because of the sensitive nature of the third act where Nimona attempts suicide, uh, Netflix added, I don't want to credits, my bad. Um, but at the end of the credits, they did add a health resource website for want to talk about it for the kids. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really good. And I appreciate the suggestion, Juan. Thank you very much for bringing yes, that to our attention. Great movie. And I think we both really loved it. Yes. And I, I don't, I haven't seen. Is Elemental up? I haven't watched Elemental. Elemental is out. So yes. I want to watch Elemental. It's up for for the Oscar, right? It is, yes. It is one of the um uh one of the animated films nominated for Academy Award this year with Nimona, Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Ooh, that's probably or across win, the Spider Verse. That is, yeah, that's highly favored to win. The only thing that might upset it is uh, the Boy and the Heron is also nominated, and that one might. But I think Spider Man's pretty much got it locked up. And there's a fifth nomination, which I believe is um, uh, an uh, uh, anime film. But I'll double check that. Um, talk amongst yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm happy to. It says things. <laughs> I didn't realize that, that you were um, vamping there, that you were yeah. trying to... Oh, here Stretch we go. For time. Oh, Robot Dreams. That's right. Robot Dreams got nominated. I have no idea what this film is. I have no idea where you can watch it. Uh, just a quick look on Wikipedia. It is a Spanish-French animated tragic comedy. <laughs> I don't oh, know. So what, it's like the bear. I don't know what any of those words mean. Specifically, Spanish or French. That's a tragic comedy. It, it'll probably win a, a, some comedic Emmys. <laughs> <laughs> it's already up for best comedy at the Emmys next year. Um, but um, yeah, I'll find out where this, where maybe this is able to be watched and we'll watch that. At least we'll see all of the animated films this year. <laughs> I don't know. I'm almost through all of, I think the only one that I haven't seen of best picture uh, is Zone of Interest. Oh, I so you watch the flower moon one okay zone of interest and killers of a flower moon. okay <laughs> <laughs> i forgot about that one um so i got two two more movies to go all right and so next week we're talking about capote and yes new episode of capote our and feud and american we're gonna go see american fiction i'm sorry three movies i haven't seen for best picture <laughs> i gotta get through that list again um american fiction um is nominated for five academy awards including best picture and Best Supporting Actor for Sterling K. Brown, who plays a gay dad in it. So that is our gay angle into it. That is right. our gay wardrobe for those who like Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so stay tuned for that. Uh, and until then, the cork is back in the bottle. <laughs>